This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Hi, everybody. This is my first podcast, episode one. So I feel, you know, very new to this, but hopefully you can bear with me as I as I learn how to be a podcaster. Um, I really you know, never would have saw myself as a podcaster. I noticed a common theme when I started coming back to the church that there was little just miracles that would happen from the heavenly father that were just little miracles that were pushing me and guiding me in that direction. And I started to listen to other people's stories with coming back to the church. And what I found was many people had these similar experiences where they, they felt like they were witnessing little miracles, um, guiding them back to the church. And so I, this podcast purpose is really to highlight those stories of the experiences that people have coming back to the church. And it could look like anything, you know, um, we're open to any and all experiences, but I just, I really wanted to put that out there. I think a lot of people today are leaving the church and they're very loud about it and uh, an anchor in my life and guided me in so many ways. And he's amazing. And everybody loves my dad. Um, If you're from Southern Utah, you probably know my dad because he's famous and he's the coolest guy ever. So anything else you want to add to that introduction, dad? No, I think you, you overstated it way overstated that uh just know that um, i'm glad that that you're excited to do this and i think it's i think it's very necessary and so a little bit about me i like i said i'm in recovery from a heroin addiction not only heroin but pretty much any other substance under the sun growing up we were uh raised in the church my my parents they were you know active church members I was, I had a testimony at a young age of the gospel. Um, as when I was in middle school, I started to, you know, stray away from the church and I started to kind of go down my own path. And I was experimenting with drugs and alcohol, which led to me kind of falling off the deep end with that. I went to a adolescent facility when I was 16, I was there for 15 months and, Um, I didn't really reestablish a spiritual connection. I kind of did, but not really just shortly after I was addicted to heroin and I was in jail. I was in rehab, rehab after rehab. It, it led me to living in a house in Arizona where, um, it was a drug house. There was a family that lived there. My boyfriend, um, his parents were using and selling drugs. My boyfriend's brother, the whole family was on drugs. And that was kind of my life was just using drugs, finding ways to get drugs. That was my, that was what my whole life revolved around. Um, and finally I got sick of living that life. And I called my dad and I said, dad, I need help. Can you come get me? And he drove down to Arizona and he picked me up from this drug house. And he, we, we had kind of had a, a rough, uh, how long was that after you picked me up? It was probably a good week before we ended up getting to where we were going, which we didn't really know where we were going, but we 
eventually we went where we needed to be. <laughs> I ended up going to the Salvation Army in, in Fresno, California. And um, after being in Mesa, Arizona for my, you know, through all my running and gunning and what, why the Salvation Army? Like, how did we get to that point? How did we? Well, we've been um, to multiple, multiple rehab facilities. And, and every time you go to a rehab, they obviously, they want a huge deposit. You've got to work out all of the mechanics of how you can get admitted. This time was a little bit different. It, uh, kind of stemmed off of, to be honest, um, I didn't know if, if we were going to live or die, but, um, but I do know, that we were guided by the spirit and by your testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's one thing that uh, that I've always been amazed is I just know that you have one of the strongest testimonies. You know the Savior is real. You know the atonement is real. And you you understand that that the church is not the people in the church, but it's it's the love that our savior has for each of us and, and his desire that, that we go down the road that, that would make us the happiest. And I, I, I know that you, you understood that, but I, I remember getting in that car, not knowing where we were gonna go and trying to leave Phoenix, Arizona multiple times and just the different connections that you had there and when you would disappear and you would stop, which seemed like after a full day, and you would disappear and call your your friends, and and you would think just one more time. Um, I just need to get high one more time, and then you would uh, get back in, and we'd start over again. But I knew that if we if we just listened and prayed and followed the Spirit, the Heavenly Father once he wanted what was best for all of us. And at that time, I didn't know. I didn't know how it would turn out, but I think that your, your love for our, our Heavenly Father and our Savior is what propelled you to, to do what is one of the most incredibly difficult things on this earth, because it led to the, to the point where you are now. And, and that's the hard thing, I guess, in any kind of a, a venue like this is to, to relate to people that, that it is um, about why we want to be a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ on, on this earth. And I think the way that people feel what they perceive as being judgments uh, that other people have about them, which I've grown to learn over the years, it's sad because the, the the beauty of the gospel and the love of our savior, the happiness that, that he wants us to have is, is more, it's bigger than, than any of the, 
than the things that, that we as individuals feel that, that we're being judged because I, I, I honestly believe that the people, they, they really don't, you know, if they, if they judge it, it's just that they're people, but they're just people. But the Savior's church is here on the earth he wants us to return to him and to be happy. And I think that that he he's done everything for us. We just need to, to realize that if we'll just give him a little bit of our time, we can get to know him and we can return and, and live with him again. You said that you think people judging, it's you know what they perceive as judging. Did you ever have like Okay. So we also have in our family, our, my sister, Aubrey, who she, which I got her permission to share this, but she was 16 when she got pregnant and she was a a student at the high school where my dad taught at. And that, you know, is a challenging thing to overcome. I mean, to have in your life as a teenager, you know, obviously we have seen that turn into an amazing miracle. And we, that little baby that she was pregnant with is our, you know, he's 16 now and he's just the best addition to our family. We could have never, we could never imagine life without him. But when you were going through that with Aubrey, she had a teen pregnancy. You have a daughter that's very rebellious and just, you know, I also was at the high school, Snow Canyon High School in St. George, my dad taught at, and I was just about as naughty as you can be for, for a high school student and just ditching class and drinking, getting caught drinking at school, all kinds of stuff. Just not, you know, not really proud of who I was back then, but do you feel like you face judgment from, you know, people in the church or when we were going through all of that stuff as a family, what was your experience with members of the church or just your experience in church in general at that time? You know, I, I wouldn't say that at that time that, um, that I had the, the strongest, I had a, a testimony and it, but, but it, it wasn't anything even remotely close to what it is now, but I don't, it was a difficult time. I know that your mother didn't want to tell me that Aubrey was pregnant. She was worried that just the way that I would react, she was completely wrong because I, I just wanted her to be happy. I was sad that, uh, that she missed out on a lot of the, the experiences that, that going through something that difficult at that age in life, it just makes you grow up really, really quickly. But I don't think I, I ever felt any judgment from anyone only only the desire that, that everybody worked through whatever decision we would make. I, I never felt any anything but support from friends and from teachers. And, and to this day, I have some of the greatest friends. They know all my children and, and they love all my children. And they, they always ask me how you're doing, all of you. But they have always been like that. And I, I just think that too often that, that we... We perceive one thing when the complete opposite is is what is actually taking place. I think generally speaking, most people don't, number one, they, they don't have time to, to be judgmental. And all they want to do is, is live their lives and, and be happy. And, uh, it's taken me a lifetime up to 
this point, obviously, I'm almost 60 years old, and to realize that that all the gospel has ever taught is for us to be happy. The things that, that we think make us happy often times don't make us happy, but they're the where Heavenly Father, through his, his very inadequate servants on the earth, has told us to do certain things that we can be happy. But I, I know that nobody is perfect. Only the Savior was the ever, only the ever perfect person that was on the earth. And and I, I truly believe that that if we could just give the Savior what he's asking us to give him, that we, the, the love and the, the happiness that we could have, it's incomparable to anything on this earth. And that's one thing that I have learned. You were going through all your, your struggles and you had two little sisters and it was a, it was a tough time in life, but I, I just know that this life, it was not meant to be easy. It was meant to have challenges and trials and, and those trials make us better people. And Okay. Obviously there are people who you have this prime situation to be judged by people in the church. You know, you've got a daughter who's a heroin addict. You've got a daughter who's pregnant in high school. You have this, you know, we did not fit the mold of perfect church going family. What advice would you give to uh, somebody that's going through a similar situation? Maybe they have a child that's gay and they feel like they, you know, are being judged by that. Or maybe a child that's transgender, or maybe they have a daughter that's pregnant or a heroin addict daughter or whatever. What, what would you say to families that feel like they need to distance themselves from the church because they feel like people just don't get it in the church or they feel judged? What, what would you say to those families? I, I would say that um, I know with, without a doubt that, that some of what they feel they, is probably justified from their perspective. But I also know that, that the very thing that, that, they, that I would advise them to do is the very thing that, that Satan would tell them not to do. And that's to, to run with open arms and embrace the gospel to feast on the on the fruits of the atonement because in the big scheme of things there as I, I already said there there is no person that doesn't have challenges and trials in life and, and that doesn't feel judged and you can ask your mom I probably think that I've always been more paranoid about people judging me, but I've gotten over that. It doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. It's like I, the things that matter are you, your family, your happiness. I, you know, one thing that I, I have discovered is that people that leave the, the church for whatever reason, I, I know a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times they, they think that it's harder more difficult to, to be in the church than to be out of the church. And, and I, I, just, I just think that knowing what I know now, 
lived what I've lived, that the very thing that, that they should be running from, they should be running to with open arms to embrace. I just think if they go away, where will they go? There's not anything in the world that can give them more peace and happiness and love than the gospel of Jesus Christ. You said that when you, when we were in high school and you were kind of going through all of that stuff, you said that your testimony isn't what it is today. What do you feel like helped push you towards, or what kind of encouraged you to work on your testimony and make your testimony stronger or what led to that? I think the things that, that we perceive as being super important in our lives that they're not as important, at least to me at, at, at that time, they weren't as important as, as the things that, that should have been important. And, uh, you know, we always say that if we could go back and do it over again, we'd do it differently. And, and there's no question that I would do things differently if I went back and went through my life again. And, and you know, I probably wouldn't have, I still probably would have been a teacher and gone down that road, but that's the whole purpose of life is to learn as you go along. And I know that uh, obviously the time that you can spend with each other on this earth, with your family and your, what I would change is, and it's not, I don't think in my own situation, it necessarily has anything to do with, with feeling judged or anything like that. But I do know on a daily basis, just in my profession, I, I love all my students and I always think that I have the, the greatest job in the world, but I know that everybody has their, their challenges in life and their, their struggles. And I just wish that we could take all of our, our struggles and our challenges and, and just set them aside and, and try to enjoy this incredible earthly experience that, that we're having and the opportunities that have been placed before us. And I just feel like a lot of the decisions that we sometimes make, they keep, they keep us from the, the happiness that, that we can have at that time. And I feel like I missed out on a lot of the happiness that, that I could have had during that time of, of life. I'm trying to make up for it. My family's made up for it millions of times over. And I mean that with the decisions that, that they've made and just the way that the story is turning out. It, it wasn't story that I, you know, I wasn't too sure of the ending there for quite a while. So we kind of like put a pin in the, in the story of um, the Salvation Army and going to treatment. So let's go back to that for a second. We jumped in and we were in for the long haul. Yep. We drove from Phoenix to. Well, we drove from Phoenix to Flagstaff. You had another prescription that you wanted to get filled for Adderall. They wouldn't fill it. And so we had to drive back to Phoenix and, and then he told me just to leave you there by the dumpster that you were always a heroin addict and never going to change and, and uh, it was breaking my heart we jumped back in and we decided that that's when we went to the Waffle House and that's when our adventure began and the next day or day and a half you did your fingernails for <laughs> 30 hours in the car with the little buffer and the, yeah, the, the details of all of our 
stories. I look back on it now and I'm just, I'm amazed that I look at this incredible, beautiful grandchildren, an amazing husband. And I just know that there's only one way that that ever could have happened. Yeah. It was through the opponent. Yeah. And I, it's true. If you knew me back then, I was a totally different person than I am today. I, my siblings especially can attest to this. I was horrible. I was, you know, very mean and just selfish. And, you know, everything I did was just pretty much out of, you know, just self-serving motives and, so my dad dropped me off. I was in a 10 day detox, a cold Turkey detox in Fresno, California. And then he, uh, and then he came back and got me and took me to the Salvation Army. When I got to the Salvation Army, I did not know if I could do it. Um, it was 40 hours of work in the warehouse. And I didn't know if I had it in me to do it. I was used to treatment centers that were very cush and you just kind of hang out and go to group and therapy and whatever. But this was a treatment center where I was working 40 hours a week. And I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, and they also, they had their own religion that they, we had a church service Wednesdays and Sundays. And when I first got there, I was just like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I can do this. And it was just so foreign to anything that I had ever known. And, um, and then the preacher brought me the chaplain, he brought me into his office and he said, Ashley, choose a Bible to use while you're here. And so he had the shelf with a whole bunch of Bibles on it. And I'm like, I chose the pink Bible and he hands it to me. And I open this Bible up and there's a, a book of Mormon bookmark in this Bible. And it might not sound that crazy to anybody uh, listening to this, but the chance of me picking that Bible with that Book of Mormon bookmark in it in Fresno, California, I'm the only member of the church in this whole facility of 150 people. And there is no denying that that was Heavenly Father saying, Ashley, like you are right where you're supposed to be. On the bookmark, it said, read the articles of faith. And so I went back to my room that night and read the articles of faith. And I read, if there's anything lovely of good report or praiseworthy, we seek after these things. And I kind of took that as my, my sign that I was supposed to be there because we had heard really good things about Salvation Army that it had the highest success rate in the nation and all these other things. And I thought, this is it. I'm supposed to be here. Do we still have that bookmark, Dad, or that Bible? I think, I think we do. In fact, I've got all your journals and everything that uh, we were always going to write our book. We still need to. Coming soon. Book. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that was one of those things that I felt like kind of was a sign that I, you know, needed to come back. So I went through the program and towards the end of my program, I got a email from, it was actually the librarian of my adolescent facility that I went to when I was 16. Um, He was a friend of my aunt Dana's. He sent me an email and said, Ashley, if you read the book of Mormon every single day, I promise you'll never go back to your old life. At this point, I was like, you know what? 
I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to my name. I'm in rehab and I had been to rehab. How many times have I been to rehab and detox? Like 15, 20, <laughs> like. Just remember smuggling heroin out of two or three of them. <laughs> yeah. Being with one of the most wanted in Washington County, Utah, picking you up on the streets of Las Vegas. You've been to many, many, many. Yes, I have. And so I, I had nothing to lose. Like I'm, you know, I'm in my 20th rehab and, you know, my parents, they didn't have a lot of hope. Well, not that you didn't have hope, but just based on previous results, we didn't know what exactly was going to happen. And so I decided I'm going to take a chance on what he just promised me and I'm going to see what happens. And so I have literally read the book of Mormon every single day since I got that email message nine years ago. And I am here to testify that it, he was right. And it was true. And since then I've found a quote from president Nelson that says, if you read the book of Mormon or sorry, if you daily immerse yourself in the book of Mormon, you will be immunized against the evils of the day, including pornography and other mind numbing addictions. And I thought, you know what? That is, it's true. It's totally transformed my life and given me the power to overcome some of those challenges that I had moving on. I got home. I went to my, I was in St. George with my parents living at home. This was the test, you know, was I going to do it? Was I going to keep going? And, um, I decided that I was just going to do this experiment. I was going to experiment and see what happened. If I got my temple recommend my limited use recommend to go do baptisms with the singles ward that I was in. And so I did everything I had to do. I had to quit smoking and I had to quit chewing the Nicorette gum that I used to quit smoking. And I had to quit drinking coffee and I had to go through the repentance process and do all of these things with my Bishop. And I finally got my limited use te temple recommend. And it had been the first time that I was you know, able to do that in many years since I was probably 10. So I went to the temple with my singles ward and I was kind of expecting this big light shining moment, but I just really, I got there and I was kind of like, you know, there's not like some big, like flash of light that's happening right now, but I do feel better than I did before. So I'm just going to kind of keep going with this. So one of the things that happened when I posted my podcast on Instagram and kind of shared why I was doing it, sharing stories of people and coming back to the, the gospel I got a lot of hate and I was not really expecting that, but I got a lot of people that were sharing, you know, a lot of dislike for the church and experiences like that. And people sharing that they had trauma from the church and it made me realize, you know, and I'm not here to invalidate anybody's experience, but I, it made me realize that it is important for me to share my experience because I think there is a lot of pieces that are really, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are, get very loudly, you know, shouted from the rooftops about things that people don't like about the church. And so I really wanted to share my experience because truly I had a lot of trauma from my experiences, um, as a drug addict and overcoming an eating disorder. And I was able to have hope throughout that experience because of the gospel and coming back to church was the only thing that 
helped me when I had tried everything else. And so I just think it's important that we are able to have a voice and share how the church has been such a blessing in our lives. I've, I've actually had several that uh, I always go back to, but one in particular that that sticks out was my dad being very, very faithful and devout. He wouldn't travel on Sunday, and we had planned a big uh, fishing trip for all the boys up in north of Winnipeg on a on a lake called Cross and Cedar Lake in Canada. And I remember that my my dad would not leave on the on the Sabbath, so we all gathered in the church parking lot at, at midnight and at 12.01 a.m. the following day on an August morning in 1980, began our, our journey north to go on this fishing trip that was, we talked a lot about it and we're excited. The boys were all excited. And that trip that I would take with my dad, um, I was actually the only one that was in the vehicle with my dad. We were in his, his Ford F-150 pickup and Obviously, everybody was tired, and we were driving through the night to get to this favorite fishing place that we had at, uh, north of, well north of Winnipeg, that uh, that he would end up drowning on this trip. That experience would that it would change my life in ways that uh, at the time I I obviously had no idea, but I remember on that trip when I was talking to my dad on the way to this lake in, in Canada, he said, there's three things that I want you to do. Um, almost like he kind of knew that, that something was going to happen. I don't know, I don't think that he did, but he, he told me that, first of all, he wanted me to be an Eagle Scout. And that wasn't ever anything that I really was that enthused about. The other thing that he said was that, that he wanted me to continue and get an education after high school. The third thing that he mentioned to me was that he wanted me to be skilled in the temple. I, I just vividly remember that conversation because I know because of the tragic accident that happened, we got caught in a blizzard. It was 80 degrees on an August morning in 1980, as I stated, and the temperature dropped to below freezing and there was a horrible uh, storm that came in on this lake and my father was in a boat with my my best friend and my little brother and the boat capsized and, and he drowned. But I, I will never forget that conversation. And, and I go back to that often in my, in my life for a lot of reasons, because I, I know that I would not be where I am today had that one tragic event not happened. I wouldn't be married to the incredible, incredible, woman often are because of some trial or some adversity that we have that make us who heavenly father wants us to become and i think that that one event and that that conversation that i had with my dad that that kind of guided me in my life i mean i did end up becoming an eagle scout the, like the day before my 18th birthday i did continue my education. I, I go to school pretty much every day still as a, as a teacher. I, I did marry the love of my life and was sealed in, in the St. George Temple. And I know that the blessings that have been showered upon me 
are blessings that I could I, I could never have imagined at the time it was it was just a trial and it was a lot of reasons to to blame or wish for other things but the gospel of Jesus Christ is what has held me on the right path for my entire life I could never in a, in a million lifetimes thank my heavenly father enough for the blessings that that he has given me do you think that after grandpa sheldon died did you ever struggle with your faith after that like did you ever think you know shortly after that happened did you ever struggle or blame god or was that did that cause any crisis of faith for you after that or do you think it helped strengthen your faith because that happened like immediately after well i think immediately after i think one thing that the the holy ghost does in the greatest times of trial in our life is he he insulates us from the reality of our situations and he makes it possible for us to continue and to persevere and i i have no question that the holy ghost was probably stronger in my life at that time than it's ever been but i don't I've, I've never i never blamed god ever i i i do know that i had some experiences after that are very personal to me that i won't share here that that without a doubt bore witness to me that the gospel is true and I know where my father is, my earthly father, and I know what he's doing. I just wish that uh, everyone had, at the times that their faith has tried the most, if they had a little bit more vision into the future to see what Heavenly Father will help them obtain and and help guide them toward if they can hang in there a little bit longer. Um, I know I've mentioned previously, as we talked about this podcast, this talk by Elder Corbridge about Stand Forever, how he was assigned to the general authority to wade through all of the muck and the mire of all the anti-LDS literature and and how it was one of the worst, worst and darkest experiences of his life. You know, he talks about the, the primary questions that the gospel addresses and the secondary questions. And he says, if you believe in the primary questions, that the secondary ones don't even matter. And obviously the primary ones, some of them are believing that Jesus Christ is our savior and that the prophet Joseph Smith was a prophet. And just by the fact that the prophet died when he was 38 years he was martyred when he was 38 years old and my father drowned when he was 38 years old and i i often think of of the prophet joseph smith and knowing that he was just a young man and to think of everything that went on in his life and what what he was able to accomplish as the one individual that our Heavenly Father chose at that time to bring forth the Book of Mormon in our, our day to restore the gospel on the earth. If anybody ever really gives that serious thought, it's, 
it's almost impossible that he did what he did. And it, it just strengthens my testimony all the more to know that this incredible human that was subject to all the imperfections of all of us, the same imperfections that we have, that he was able to do what he did in spite of all of the, the trials of and the fiery darts of the adversary from every direction. And uh, I just think that we are, we live in a time of luxury and ease and that we are given so much, but it's also the most difficult time that I think has ever existed in, in the history of the world. I think it's, it's, it's the easiest in a lot of ways, but it's the most difficult. And if we can just know that our heavenly father is there to guide us and point us in the right direction and the, the atonement is real. And I know with, with out any doubt at, at, at all that, that our savior will return to the earth. He will rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. I know that that time is coming closer. I'm just so grateful to live at the time that I live and to have what I have. And thank you so much, dad, for sharing your, all of your wisdom with everybody. And thank you for just being you. You are amazing. And I love you so much. And I'm so grateful. You're my dad. Well, I'm grateful. You're my daughter and I wouldn't trade you for any other daughter in the world. <laughs> all right. Uh, my daughters, but I've been one of the, got the greatest son a person could ever have. I love you very much. I love you.